0: Following is the legend of when death fell from the sky. Many, many years ago, in a remote past, when the fifth generation of mankind inhabited Earth and had been flourishing for thousands of years, it seemed the universe had decided that their time was up. She was in her room, anxious and fearful, her mind racing as to what might happen in the night to come. Those left would eventually refer to it as the watering time. It would start at 3 a.m., and it had been happening regularly for over a week's time. As she gazed out the window, she noticed everybody else was doing the same, everybody excluding her father. There was an overall fear among the population, even though the majority of them had rudimentarily modified their homes to avoid absorbing the water. These coupled with stoutly built barriers surrounding the homes made them look like a fortress. In the end, those labeled conspiranoids were right, and their low frequency scanners could pick up what was causing the issue with the irrigation. They were pinging multiple points out in the darkness, and some even within their crops. They'd refer to them as the waterers, and previously, the darkness was the only thing that scared them away. The waterings had become a worldwide thing and everybody was locked inside from 1 to 5 a.m. while the waterers with their eerie gait lurked throughout their crops and around their homes. The watering started about 12 days ago, and aside from the potent rain and the odd creatures walking about, it had caused a deep psychosis among the population. Many referred to it as a collective psychosis as it was affecting the entirety of society. It was causing people to do things they would never normally do, such as commit crimes, unalivings taking place throughout what once were peaceful communities. What made it worse is it was becoming harder and harder to distinguish what was real and what was on the news. The outlets told them they were just hallucinations and that they were unfounded and unsubstantiated claims. But Amara refused to believe that the events of the last 12 days were just a hallucination in her mind. She knew better. Something wasn't right. Especially when she started to see normally healthy people get very, very sick. She observed that these rains were were coming from lights that were swaying back and forth in the sky. Some of them low to the ground, while others in the atmosphere. She noticed the ones in the sky seemed to be orchestrated, that they moved in a way that was planned out and executed. The news from the beginning of the day to the end was talking about how the important leaders in the centered regions were having meetings as to what to do about it. Why was nobody acting, she thought? Why wasn't the military doing anything about it, or even observing what they could possibly be? It seemed as though everybody was convinced of the idea that it was a natural process, that it was something earth did every so many thousand years. But it was happening in all corners of earth. There was no exceptions. It was covering the entirety of the land. What's more is the light seemed to intensify every day. At least that's what she and her neighbors observed. But nobody seemed to rebel against it. Nobody was doing anything. The people just stood by and watched out of fear and subordination. It didn't help that the news was bringing on scientists to feed misinformation, claiming that this happened years ago. But the reality was she knew that none of this was true. None of this was part of reality. That very night around 2.59 a.m., she lie in bed praying to God that these red rains would stop. Her mind racing with the thoughts, hoping something would give, and that when 3 a.m. rolled around, nothing would happen. Her father slept. She couldn't believe it. How could he sleep at a time like this? But she realized that's the power of the media. That's the power of indoctrination. Her father, much like the majority of the population, felt it was easier to immerse themselves into the belief that they were being told. The screens kept us in this state, repeating over and over that this was a natural process called EDA. But how could a natural process take place every single day, numerous days in a row at the exact same time, she thought? And when people started getting sick all around her, everyone knew at least one person who was deathly ill, she knew something was wrong. The waterings would start at 3 a.m. and end abruptly 20 minutes later. The clouds would dissipate and everything would be back to normal. Once again, she started to shake in fear, just as she had every night since that fateful day on December 25th. She pressed her head against the window and looked on, hoping that 3 a.m. would roll around with no events. This led her thoughts to remember something she had seen just four days prior. A massive pillar of fire in another center region. She envisioned the strange gases that seemed to emanate from the earth itself. But why are these events happening? Why are they taking place? And why is our leadership doing nothing? Little did she know that soon enough, all of her questions would be answered. As she gazed through the window, suddenly, one droplet, then two, then three. The poisonous irrigation began pouring down. But this time, they weren't alone. The massive pillars that separated the center societies caught a blaze. And instead of extinguishing it, the droplets actually ignited the fires. She tried so many times to run, but couldn't help appear on as the massive flames lit up the entire neighborhood. Then she saw the spotlights. The waterers. They were combing the land, adding to the flames. She cringed as she heard the noises they made, like insects under wood. She couldn't leave her father behind. She went to wake him up, and as she peered through the windows, she could see the waterers using guns spraying gases at the people. She was paralyzed with fear as she realized the normal 20 minutes was up, and they hadn't left. She knew this was a total extermination. She was in shock and couldn't seem to come out of it. But finally, she did. She yelled for her father as somebody began banging on her door. Suddenly, everything around her was going in slow motion. She was dragging her dad out of bed as the raggedors kicked in the door. They started spraying the toxic gases everywhere. She was able to get a mask on her father. Her father woke from a slumber in a daze, not knowing what was going on. She was able to retrieve her mask and slip it on. Then she shut the door and told them to be quiet. Sirens and alarms wailed outside. Then suddenly, explosions started taking place. What could those be, she thought. But it quickly left as she realized the real danger was right behind her door. But as she peered outside, she noticed other shadows accompanied the waterers giant shadows. She signaled to her father to peer out the window so he could observe what she was looking at. Could it be their prayers have been answered? The petagones, she thought, the giants were fighting to defend human land. They lived in the distant south, always far away from humanity, but always observing. She couldn't believe that they were there with them, fighting a battle that seemed doomed from the start. The two being shot out of the house, emanating a loud call, warning others of the impending danger. She looked on in awe as the giants, one by one, tore apart the waterers. Though a dominating force, some of them did fall to the gases and the blue rays shot out of the weapons the waterers carried. But many still were dominating the waterers, knocking them down with immense force. The sheer strength and ability of these giants were like nothing she had ever seen. Amara opened the door with a little hope. After she and her dad got out, they joined the giants. They were gathering humans to help them in the fight. They ran with all their energy to another column with a tiled roof. There was no longer rain, but they kept on their masks for the gases. Her father was 156 at the time, but still limber as a 40-year-old in our years. She could hear her dad slip and fall in the mud that was produced from the rains just previously. She turned around and his mask had adjusted. As he was trying to put it back on and get up, she made her way towards him, but a giant reached out his massive arm and stopped her. Instead, he pushed her onto the next column as she peered at her dad in desperation. That's when another giant started towards him in an attempt to save him. Out of nowhere, reddish blue lightning bolts rained from the sky, hitting her father and the giant. Regardless of the pressure the giant had on her, she escaped his arms and made her way to her father, ripping his mask off, seeing his face one last time. She knew he was gone. That's when she peered over and saw one of the giants laying by her foot. He looked onto her, and she noticed his golem-like structure. That's when he signaled to the heavens that you'll see him again someday. But it wouldn't be that night. The giant ripped her away from her father and took her with the rest of the group. Giants formed a protective shield around them and fought the waterers as they attempted to break the circle and take out the last of the humans. Their red rays fell from the sky, but a force field seemed to protect them that the giant's technology produced. After a while, they slowed down and started to walk, giants in every direction protecting them. As dawn approached and the sun rose, they saw that the gases had dissipated and the sky was now clear. The giants in front then raised up their hands for them to stop, as they cleared a path for them to walk through. There, before their eyes, a metallic fortification was born, and two massive doors opened wide. They couldn't believe their eyes. They didn't know where they were going, but they knew they didn't want to be on these inhospitable lands any longer. As they entered, at first it was dark, but quickly, they noticed the crystalline-like limestone walls, smooth to the touch. She noticed blue points of light throughout the upper portion of the cavern. As they all gathered in, The blue lights moved and formed together and built a beautiful, massive tree. She observed that its roots grew into the ground as if it was alive at that moment. The branches shot up and up, higher than the eye could see. It was more beautiful than anything she had ever seen. They all stood there in shock when a robotic deep voice told them they should enter. Doors opened at the base. That's when she recalled stories her father used to tell her about a great tree, the Tree of Asgard where the first humans became. They were all somewhat fearful, but the giants gestured to move forward. And so the first humans did. They disappeared one by one as they burst into points of light that looked like artificial stars mimicking the tree. She realized her past of just a few hours ago no longer existed. Her world was shattered into a thousand pieces, but none of that mattered anymore. As she entered, her whole body became illuminated and she became a thousand points of light. Then suddenly she remembered. She had no pain, no suffering, no hunger, only elated happiness. She could observe everything. It was just as her father told her. They were at the gates of Asgard, and as they walked among other humans on those stone roads, they were greeted by other humans. These other people greeted them with a smile, almost as if they knew their suffering. Amara understood then that another life was about to begin.